the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentanko's message today is entitled, The Disappointed Prophet. That's The Disappointed Prophet, and you can find it online at ReachingYourHeart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with The Disappointed Prophet. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Father, we ask this day as we focus on you, these minutes we have left, that we'd find hope in any situation and faith to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. He started his career as the man who must decrease so Jesus could increase. And it was no ordinary career at all. And he was an ordinary prophet that is clear Like Jesus, John was a prophetic figure. He was born because of a prophecy. He lived to fulfill prophecy, and in the end, he died for the sake of prophecy. The prophet Malachi had seen his day and had declared as the Old Testament came to an end. In Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. The messenger of the covenant was Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can communicate God's ultimate message of salvation. And the Hebrew word Malach, of which the word Malachi comes from, it means my angel or my messenger. That's the name of the book. The Hebrew word Malach translates best as angel. And so God's Malach or angel was Jesus. He was the angel of the covenant, the messenger of the covenant. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by that imagery. Christ is the only mailman that can deliver salvation. God couldn't send anyone else to do this. And so Jesus came with God's good news. In the Old Testament, he was the angel of the Lord who led Israel into the promised land. Now, that doesn't mean he was a created being. It doesn't mean that he was somehow less than God. It just simply means that he was God's messenger who protected God's people, who guarded them all the days of old. We should not let our modern notions of what this word means strip it of its ancient meaning. He was the angel who is the angel of God's presence because God's presence and God's name is in Jesus. Therefore, God is in this messenger. He was the ultimate mailman, the angel that stopped Abraham from slaying his son. He said, Abraham, Abraham, now I know you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your only son from me. It was God speaking through that messenger because the messenger was God. The angel killed an Assyrian army in a single night as it was ready to overtake the city of Jerusalem. That was the angel of the covenant. That was Christ in the Old Testament to whom all judgment has been given. And he exercised judgment then to save his people. Christ was the angel who guarded Israel all the days of old. You see, there are times when God sends himself because as he is, he is his own angel. He is his own messenger. He is his own deliverer, and when no other messenger will do, God comes, and God is the angel of the covenant. Christ is the messenger, the angel of God's everlasting good news, of his covenant. 
Jesus' angel or messenger on earth was not an angel in the terms that we think of it. He did not have an angel that was an angelic spokesperson. Jesus' angel or messenger was John the Baptist. The Lord said in Malachi 3.1, I am sending my angel before me to prepare my way. God didn't send Gabriel to announce his coming to the masses of the world. God sent Gabriel to announce the coming of John, who would be Jesus' angel. He sent John, and John was the man with all the power of Elijah the prophet locked up inside his heart and his head with a mouth that could speak for God, a mouth that was motivated by the Holy Spirit. Here was a man like no other prophet in the history of the world proclaiming the coming of the angel of the covenant of Christ himself. And the prophet Isaiah had seen his day, and he described it this way in Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It was John's job to straighten out the mess of 400 years of apostasy. He stood in the wilderness calling Israel to a better land and a better Moses than Moses could ever be, to a covenant that would be new but old and renewed for God's people forever. The last words of the Old Testament pointed to John. John the Baptist became the man who would prepare the way for Jesus. He was the Elijah who is to come. Malachi 4 verse 4. Malachi wrote, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and ordinances that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers lest I come and smite the lamb with a curse. John was all that stood between a rebellious Israel and the curse of the covenant. He was the man who stood in the gap when the gap was narrow and only one man could stand in the gap. He was the man who called Israel to remember the law of Moses. He called them back to the covenant that God had made and he pointed them forward to the future when Christ would come and with the power of the Holy Spirit he'd burn the new covenant into the heart and make the law alive and real for people who came to know Jesus. He was the man in the gap. He was the link to a failed past and a hopeful future. Now we know from the Dead Sea Scrolls that Israel was not expecting a single Messiah. They were expecting two Messiahs, not just one. They were expecting a Messiah from the tribe of Levi who would be a priest. And they were expecting a Messiah from the tribe of Judah who would be a king because it took two leaders in Israel to guide the nation. And so John was born from the tribe of Levi. Jesus was born from the tribe of Judah. So John was of the priestly tribe. It was expected he would be the priestly Messiah. And this is the historical context and the prophetic context for what happens in Luke 3.15. The Bible says, As the people were in expectation, all men questioned in their hearts concerning John, whether perhaps he were the Christ, the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in the Greek, which is the fire. He has the flame of God's power. I am nothing compared to him. In a single statement, John destroyed the expectations that there would be two messiahs. And he made it clear that he was not one of the two And he was not the Messiah. He said, he who is mightier than I is coming. John had the privilege of baptizing Jesus. John heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. John was the one who said, 
in John 1.29, look, 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 behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The prophetic powers are surging through his being as he said that. But when the ministry of Jesus started for a time, they had parallel ministries. His ministry was larger than Jesus, but in time they paralleled that his began to diminish. Jesus became the larger figure and John became a voice whose time had passed. It's hard for a preacher to stop preaching. I mean, when it's in your bones to preach, it's just hard to stop preaching. The prophet's day was done. It came time for him to lay down the mantle and his ministry had come to a quiet end and a sudden end. He was arrested and thrown in prison. In John 3.30, just before he was taken over by the authorities, he said, Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. Finally, John was imprisoned by Herod, and his ministry came to that sudden end that he did not want. Tragically, he rotted away in a prison cell, remembering the good old days when he was a voice crying out in the wilderness, and now he was in the real wilderness. He was in a jail cell he couldn't get out of, and everything just kind of caved in on him. This is the context for the account that is given in Luke 7 of the disappointed prophet. In Luke 7, 3, a centurion sent messengers to Jesus to request that he might have his servant healed, his beloved servant. The centurion believed that Christ could do it and that only his word was necessary. He said, you speak and it will happen. And Christ said, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. And don't forget that John was a prophet in Israel. Somehow this centurion's faith was greater than the greatest prophet of Israel. The story of the centurion is followed by the miraculous resurrection of the widow's son of Nain. Jesus stops a burial procession and then he places his hand on the coffin. He says, young man, I say to you, arise. I mean, no prophet had said that kind of thing in that way. Sure, there were resurrections in the past, but no one stops a burial coffin on the way to its final destination. Jesus did. And the funeral and the burial ended that day as a mother and a son went off dancing, holding each other, dancing into the sunset. Now, these are the miracles that became the essence of the report that was taken to John. John 7, 16, and 17. Notice what it says. Fear sees them all, and they glorify God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report concerning him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. The people all said in verse 16, A great prophet has arisen among us. A great prophet hurt the ears of John to hear. A great prophet has arisen among us. The man whose career ended so another could begin was now in prison. And all they could think about was how Jesus was the great prophet. The man who looked great was esteemed now as a criminal. His career was over and he had to hear that in prison. John was wounded by those words. A great prophet has arisen among us. He was the prophet God had chosen. He was to be the forerunner of the Messiah. He was the Messiah's prophet. And all the people were looking to Jesus as the prophet. When John heard these words, he was disappointed deep inside. His ministry had ended in a way he never expected it to. In this context, John's response is human and very understandable. Look at verse 19 of Luke 7. And John, calling to him two of his disciples, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you he who is to come, or shall we look for another? The man who was the angel for the angel of the Lord was hurting deep inside. Jesus' messenger was confused. The prophet was worn out. He was weary of fighting battles bigger than the last. And the man who carried the word of God could no longer carry it or preach it himself. 
He was in the ultimate wilderness in his prison cell. The preacher was now reaching out for a teacher and a word like the word given to the centurion. He was hoping for a touch like the touch that raised the widow's son of Nain from the dead. And when his mind turned within, he became discouraged deep within. Like Elijah in the Old Testament, John was the disappointed prophet, discouraged and tired, and now he had self-doubt. He was even doubting the Word of God. Elijah had prayed to the Lord that he might die because he had felt that he was no better than the rest of the people who had left the Lord. You remember that ancient situation where everyone was bowing down to Baal and Elijah was standing against them. And Elijah felt at the end of his struggle when he had been successful that somehow he had let the Lord down. And the Old Testament angel fed Elijah and strengthened him for his journey. John knew all about this. And he knew that he was the Elijah that was to come. And so there were certain things that God should do for him if he did it for Elijah. But unlike Elijah, he was just rotting away in a prison cell. No angel brought him food. No encouragement from a celestial being. And no fiery chariot appeared to take him to heaven. Why was he there? These were questions running through his head. No angel had helped him. Where was he And what was he to believe in? He was hungry for the food deep within that would touch him and make him alive again. And so they came to Jesus with John's question. The messenger who would prepare his way was confused and uncertain of his own path. He had become the disappointed prophet. In Luke 7, 20, it says, And when the men had come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you he who is to come, or shall we look for another? Maybe you came to church this day with the same question in your heart and mind. Is Jesus the one or should I look for another? Maybe that has been the question of your heart as you struggle with your own personal disappointment wherever you may be. Every heart sooner or later that believes comes to the place where the question is asked, is Jesus really the one or should I look for another? Dear heart, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. Jesus could have answered this question outright, but he chose not to. Instead, he let the two messengers from John observe his ministry. He didn't correct John. He didn't give him a bunch of prophecy, and that's okay in certain situations. But not in this one. He didn't give the man who knew prophecy more prophecy. He didn't give him a dissertation on how he should know the covenants better. He didn't even try to correct his disappointment by a rebuke or an admonition. Jesus did what he does best. In verse 21, it says, In that hour he cured many of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many that were blind he bestowed sight. That's what he did. Imagine the scene. The man with an open sore comes to Jesus, and it's been hurting him for years, and he leaves with no wound or sore or scar. The person who could not walk is brought to Jesus by his friends, and he leaves on his own two feet, dancing and jumping and praising God. The woman who could not overcome discouragement leaves with happiness on her face because Christ can heal discouragement. The young man filled with anger and resentment and unforgiveness leaves with love, forgiveness, and the grace of God on his face, the glow of God's peace. And many blind, because many are blind, they came to see Jesus. They came to see him, but before they could see him, they had to be healed of their blindness. And Jesus gave every one of them that came to him sight. Not even Elijah or Elisha had healed the blind. That was the special miracle reserved for the Messiah. Jesus' message for John was Jesus' ministry to others. That was his evidence for the man who knew all the Bible verses and who could quote them better than anyone else in Israel. 
Dear heart, there are times in life when the experts in prophecy and theology must stop analyzing and simply observe the beautiful truth of the healing power of the ministry of Jesus Christ. In Luke 7, 22, it says, And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is he who takes no offense at me. John was mourning the loss of his stature as a prophet who could speak to the people. He missed the days in his wilderness pulpit. And there was Jesus with a ministry better than his. Here was a preacher that was more profound than him. Here was a delivery that was more than just speaking. It was touching and healing. And Christ's ministry was greater than John's. He had to admit it. And to receive Jesus, John had to let go of his own expectations for himself. Jesus said, blessed is he who takes no offense at me. Jesus comes to the disappointed and the struggling with the same statement today. Blessed is he or she who takes no offense at me. By faith we receive a Savior who will not push his way into our hearts. He will not shove his presence into your life. He will not share the throne of your heart with another. And he will not command that you give him the throne of your heart. He comes to you in need of your decision to choose him. People leave Jesus today because they are offended by Jesus, right? To everything in their life. They don't like this idea of a Lord in their life. They want someone who will be their friend. Much of the music we hear today portrays Jesus simply as a friend. They want someone who will be their comforter. They want someone who will be their source of hope, but they do not want a Lord in their life. Dear heart, Christ must come to every heart that is in discouragement. He must come as the Lord of their life. Only a Lord can lead. And they are offended that his claim on life is total and full and complete. Many are offended by truths he offers them in the Bible. You know, why does Christ have to offer us truths that don't agree with what I've always heard? Yet Christ offers the truth in His Word. Truths that differ with tradition and human wisdom. Truths that are meant to be received by the humble, not the arrogant and the proud. They're offended because Jesus in His simplicity does not tickle their intellectual fancy. He challenges their heart to surrender instead of looking smart. And the person who receives Jesus must surrender the notion that he or she is wiser, smarter, or more able than him and his plan for their life. So Jesus told John what he could just as easily have told you and me today. He said, blessed is he or she who is not offended at me. That is the voice of humility speaking to the heart that has a little pride in it still. The voice of the one who wants to belong but will not command it. Can only be received when invited in. It's calling out on his terms. The terms of endearment that bind his heart to his friend. Jesus always comes to the discouraged on his own terms, in his own way. Blessed is he who takes no offense at me. If you're under a cloud, it's dark. It shades, does it not? Have you ever thought of what it's like to stand above the cloud and to see it from heaven's perspective? When you see the cloud from heaven's perspective, it would be a glow like a torch. It would be full of glory because the sun would hit the cloud from on high and illumine the sky and bounce back and forth. And it would be a brilliant color. When you fly in an airplane, you can see the brilliance of the clouds when you are above them. Dear heart, if there's a cloud in your life, if there's a struggle that you're having, if you're feeling like it's dark beneath the cloud, you need to see it from heaven's perspective. God allows clouds in your life so there can be glory in your life. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that the glory of God is revealed as a cloud of smoke as it fills the sanctuary. 
It's time to tell the Lord that you are satisfied with His call and His claim on your life, no matter where it leads and what it means for your future. You don't need a pessimistic tack for God's leading for you, dear heart. It's time to latch on to His hope and future. And you don't have to look good to receive the blessing from Jesus. You don't have to impress anyone. To receive the blessing from Jesus is simply as basic as receiving Jesus by surrendering to Him on His terms. And you don't have to be famous to be important in His plan. And you don't have to prosper in your personal life and be eloquent to others or have an impressive portfolio an outward expression of wealth and well-being. You don't need any of this to make a difference in the lives of others. You can take your little, you can invest it in the lives of people who have nothing, and you will be something for someone who would have no hope without you in their life. The Lord is the reward in the journey that makes any difficulty well worth the journey. Jesus is, I believe, the necessary destination for the disappointed prophet. Jesus sent the messengers back to John, and they never heard what he said to his disciples. And the crowd that lingered to listen to his words, he never heard what Jesus said to others. John had heard that a great prophet had arisen, and it hurt him to hear this. He was supposed to be the greatest of the prophets. For John to be healed, he must allow the truth of who Jesus is to heal him in the wilderness of his own prison and not to know the necessary outcomes of his ministry, but to trust God for those outcomes. And so Jesus did not give these words to John that were heard by others. Luke 7, 24, And when the messengers of John had gone, he began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to behold? A reed shaken by the wind? And then, and what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare the way before thee. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Jesus wanted everyone to know that the disappointed prophet was the greatest prophet that had ever lived. He was more than a prophet. He was a messenger Remember the word messenger means angel. He says, he was my angel. I sent a man as my angel this time. I didn't send a heavenly being. I sent John. He was the man that God chose to be his messenger. And as a man, Jesus had a man who was his messenger. The life of John is proof that people who are called to greatness are called to suffer for Jesus' name. They're not called necessarily to see the outcomes of their own efforts in their own lifetime. But they are called to follow John was Jesus' forerunner because John would die just like Jesus did. His blood would prepare the way for Jesus' blood on the cross. He was not called up to God in glory with a fiery chariot. He was called to a place of execution where his head would fall in a bucket because he was called to help Jesus understand the necessary sacrifice of the cross. He was his angel, his messenger. John was the greatest of the prophets, and yet Jesus says, He who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Who is that person? Who is that person that is least in the kingdom of God? Who is the one who is the least in God's kingdom? Jesus answered this question by his own life and death. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me. In the great invitation, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus deserves to be the ruler in your life because Jesus is the least in the kingdom of God. He's not the greatest. He's the least by his own words. He says, I am the least. I came to serve, not to be served. I came to give all I have, not to receive what I want. Christ deserves to rule the universe because he's the least in the kingdom of God. And dear heart, if he deserves to rule the universe, he has a right to rule your heart and life too. Thanks for listening today. If this broadcast has ministered to you, remember you can download a copy from reachingyourheart.com. There are also many other messages available at that website. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast, or if you've just tuned in for the first time and have been inspired by this sermon, and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts. And you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. These are urgent times and God has an urgent message. God's message in Revelation is one of warning and encouragement And it's a personal appeal to all of mankind. It is his final message before sweeping changes occur across the globe. Events that will take place just prior to Christ's second coming. You see, God doesn't want his church to be surprised by the events that will take place. He wants his church ready for his return. We have a book titled God's Last Altar Call that will encourage you and help you understand what events must take place as found in the book of Revelation. We'll send you this book for a donation of any amount and pray that you will be encouraged to know that you can discern the events that must take place prior to His second coming. Please call at any time, 24-7-888-244-HOPE. And with a donation of any amount, we'll send the book right out to you entitled, God's Last Altar Call. We pray that you will be lifted up by the biblical insights in this book and grow spiritually in your walk with Christ. Thanks for tuning in, and we pray that God is reaching your heart and growing you up in Christ through these messages. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.